Hello, everyone. My guest today is Ash Dykes. He's an extreme athlete, speaker, and author who has written the book Mission Possible, which is an Amazon bestseller. He currently holds three world records, and one of them is a hike alongside the longest river in Asia. He's also been a guest on the Joe Rogan podcast early this year. So, Ash, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Hey, buddy. No problem. It's all good to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, it's cool to have you. So you're an interesting personality and you're, you know, not the normal person. So give us a little bit of background of who you are and how you got to, to where you are today. <laughs> yeah, sure. So it's been a pretty wild journey. Uh, it's pretty much been the best part of a decade since I left Old Colwyn in North Wales, which is where I'm based in the UK. I left at age 19 because at age 16 or 17, I pretty much had this, this plan to save up as much money as I could which was I was working in a fish and chip shop. I was a waiter. I was a lifeguard, saving up as many pennies as I could. And then age 19, I left to travel with very little funds and with a scuba diving qualification in the hope that I can find work abroad and top up my, my travel funds. Um, because of the lack of budget and pretty much, you know, the sense of adventure, this, this pretty much led me to take on wild adventures and sometimes quite dangerous, you know, quite dangerous and reckless adventures from cycling across Vietnam and Cambodia on 10-pound bikes with sort of no gears, no suspension, no map, no puncture repair kit, no pump, nothing. So then learning how to survive in the jungle with a Burmese hill tribe, to trek in the Himalayas, to cycle in Australia, um, and then settling down for two years as a Muay Thai fighter and scuba diving instructor before the three big world first expeditions begun. Interesting, interesting. So, so what do you exactly now do for all the people that don't know you currently? Sure. So I'm an extreme athlete or an explorer, um, author and speaker, as you mentioned. Um, and now I, I pretty much take on world first records. So my first one was across Mongolia. So that was my first solo and unsupported world first record, meaning that it had never been achieved um, before and no evidence to suggest anyone had completed the walk solo and unsupported. And that meant that I'd be pulling a trailer, carrying everything that I'd need to survive over the Altai Mountains for three weeks, across the Gobi Desert for five weeks, and through wow. the Mongolian Steppe for a further three weeks. And the trailer weighed, it was about 18 stone, so 120 kilograms. Um, and so that was the catalyst to the sort of career. There was like TEDx talks, I was featured on TV, there was a lot of hype and press on completion. Uh, again, just on a, on a shoestring budget, this was, I have no military background, just, you know, I was a kid with a, with a dream. I just worked very hard to achieve it. I trained hard. Um, and with the very few funds that I had, I just made it happen. And that's what kickstarted sort of the career and enabling me to do Madagascar, which was a 155 day expedition, uh, going from south to north of the country, summiting the eight highest mountains along the way. And that was quite dangerous. You know, there were crocodiles. I almost died of malaria. I was eaten by spiders, by leeches. It was wild as anything, you know. Interesting. And then, and then that just kept going. And I, and I still feel like I'm getting started. You know, it was Mission Yangtze after that. That was my latest and my most ambitious. That was a 4,000-mile expedition. It took me 352 days to complete. And that was just as extreme. <laughs> 
that's that's interesting what is because i think what what a lot of people listen listening can learn from you is is kind of like your persistence that you if you if you have something in your head you want to do it you want to climb something or you want to do that tour that you actually do it like how how did this does this persistence come up and and how do you do you keep it up all the time yeah i think it's it's a, a few different realizations it's the realization that you know you must break your goals down all of these expeditions to myself seem very daunting um, and just traveling to begin with back when I was 17 seemed almost near impossible, you know? So I just concentrated on breaking my goals down and acting on trying to focus on what I can achieve rather than being daunted by the big task ahead. And I did that on my expeditions. Instead of focusing, for example, on Mission Yangtze being 352 days, I would focus on one day at a time. And then also during the process, you know, we're only human. We face times where we can't be bothered or we're too tired or we don't want to do it anymore. And it's the second realization that, you know, no matter what you're aiming for, we can't always be motivated in life, but we can be disciplined. And so while some days I just did not want to do it, um, you know, I was starving, I was thirsty, I was being hunted by wolves, you name it, I had to stay disciplined. So I, I feel I bring that back into my everyday life and, and hope that people take away that message so no matter what they're working towards they also break their goals down and, and remain disciplined yeah definitely so so do you have any techniques that you use um that keep you on, on that level or that help you to to stay focused yeah i do i like uh, like visualization techniques i really like um it just started so organically and naturally where When I was traveling, I had this sort of dream board where I'd have the world map with my travel route. I would have pictures of destinations that I hoped to go to. I would have quotes to help keep me motivated. And every day I would wake up in the morning and that's the first thing that I would see. And so that helped to implant it in my memory, in my brain, and keep me focused, keep me excited. Um, and the same with all of my expeditions. If, for example, I'm slowly dying through dehydration in the Gobi Desert of Mongolia, in order to help me try to get over that, I'm focusing on you know, 100 meters at a time and focus on the next water source and rationing my water. But at the same time, I'm, I'm visualizing myself crossing the finish line. You know, uh, There's not a day that goes by where I cannot see me making that finish line. So I would say visualization is um is really strong you know remembering why you started and knowing that it will be difficult but it will be worth it if you persist yeah interesting no no i loved it so do you have any principles that you apply on how you decide on on what to do next or kind of like how, how does your life look like like give us give us like some some input on on how your life looks like right now or when it was all sort of starting out and i was searching for the career you mean well how it started out and then kand of like now in your day-to-day yeah. -day life yeah yeah so it started out really you know it started out very organic i had no idea that i could you know earn money or make a living from being an adventurer or extreme athlete or explorer whatever you want to title it as i was just you know a, a young a teenager really age 16 17 i had this idea i wanted to develop myself you know we only lived this one life Uh, and I believed that I didn't want to be pigeonholed in the regular job. I, you know, and I, I realized I was also a kinesthetic learner. So I learned through hands-on practical experience. So I'm not so good if I'm trying to learn in the classroom. And so I had this idea that 
by traveling or by following my passion, which I should all, I, I believe we should always follow our dream, then uh, I would be developing myself. I'd be learning about myself. I'd be learning about the world. I'd be learning from other people as well. I'd be seeing what I, how I react in certain scenarios. And so that's how it kind of started. That was my sort of my brain. And I'd, I'd be watching certain documentaries and, you know, wild or adventure programs. And I didn't want to just watch it. I wanted to be out there amongst it, experiencing it. Um, and so that was maybe my, my earlier thoughts. And when I went out there and when I was experiencing it, I loved it. Um, and I, I wasn't so focused on my career as such. I was focused on living my life and being in the moment. And then once I'd found my passion, which was adventure, I, I figured or I wondered whether I could turn my, my dream or my passion into, you know, into my job. So effectively, it wouldn't, it would, I always like that saying, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Not because you're avoiding work, of course, because you, know, you have to work hard. But because if it's your passion, it won't necessarily feel like it's a chore or like it's a job. And so I thought maybe I can pursue an expedition that would, you know, catalyst, um, catapult me in that sort of direction. So that's when there was the shift. It went from just going out there and not, not sharing on social media, just doing it for the pure love, for the pure passion, until then realizing, well, hang on, maybe I can do this. And not only can I then do what I love, but maybe I can give back to local communities. Maybe I can help to motivate and inspire. Maybe I can help raise awareness for organizations. Maybe I can help raise money for charities. And that's when it all started to come into play and each expedition grew bigger and better. Uh, and here we are today still going. So it's kind of funny how it naturally took shape. Yeah, understood. No, that's a, that's a really interesting story. So what, what I'm just interested in is kind of like, what's, what's your business model behind all this? Like, how do you earn money? Do you get paid for the expeditions or, or get paid for speeches or how does it work? Yeah, so at the, at the beginning, it's very tough to, to fall on that sort of... Um, to fall on that sort of conveyor belt, if you like. It's sort of... When I first started from Mongolia, I only had previous sort of travel experience which most travelers had um, and so I knew that the Mongolia one would be a struggle so there wasn't much funding it was very low uh, budget very dangerous in fact I couldn't even uh, afford a proper emergency pickup so whether I you know died or lived I relied solely on myself which is a huge risk so I'd say you've got to be very prepared to take the risk um, and so after Mongolia we went to Madagascar. Madagascar was still hard, but we were then able to get uh, funding for that. And what I mean by funding is sort of brand endorsements and product placements, um, people who want to partner up on your journey to associate their brand with your brand or their brand with the expedition or with a world first, something that had never been achieved. So their product would effectively in turn be going down in the history books um, and so that's sort of what they were bit, uh, buying into. They were buying into how many eyeballs um, land on their product, how many views they get, uh, what sort of reach globally will they, will they have as a return on investment. Um, and so there was the product. So there's various sponsors. There's then the book Mission Possible, which is sold uh, in every English speaking market around the world and is translated into Mandarin and sold across China. And 
translated into Vietnamese and sold across Vietnam too. Seems as that's where my first away from home adventure was. You've got the speaking engagements as well, of course, and you've got TV appearances. So there's a, a varied package really between sponsors, brand endorsements, speaking engagements, TV appearances and books. Yeah, no, understood. That, that's that's very interesting. I, I love that. And I think it's it's very cool that you're kind of like, you know, like keeping it keeping it that way and trying to to make it through that as an kind of like extreme athlete. Um so yeah. as, let's let's yeah let's wrap up here with the fantastic um four question number one. Is there an athlete or any other people out there that you're following or studying right now? Uh you know what? I, I think there's probably a number of different people. Are you are you trying to find out like who inspires me type of thing? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, you know, I would say there's many people. Um, and from Give us your top three. Top three, I would, ooh, you know, even Floyd, May Floyd Mayweather, you know, Conor McGregor, Usain Bolt, Cristiano Ronaldo, all of these athletes or all of these people who have gone against the odds. Um, you know, Grant Cardone, Bill Gates, uh, not Bill yeah, Gates. Yeah, he was, Grant, Grant, Grant was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so all of these people, I think, who have come from hardship and who go against the odds, but but it, but achieve it regardless. You know, who stay dogged, um, are big inspirations to me. And so, um, love it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very cool. Okay, next question. I'm sure you can you can answer that question positively. Do you have any routines that you strictly follow on a day to day basis? Yeah, I do try, um, especially when lockdown took in. You know, when when lockdown happened it was important for me to stay routined and regimented in terms of, you know, certain amount of sleep, wake up, get on the grind. I, you know, I would train, I would exercise first thing in the morning, working on kind of fasted cardio, mainly calisthenics as well, body weight exercises. I would get through various different emails, phone calls, interviews, podcasts. I'd make sure I'm eating at the right time, making sure I'm getting the right, right water down me. Uh, getting out into the fresh air, coming back, probably training again uh, late afternoon, more of a to put more muscle mass on, so less cardio and more um, heavy mass bulk. Uh, and and so yeah, I think it's important to to write your goals down the, the night before, wake up and tick them off the list. Even if you get through two or three of them, it doesn't matter. It's something that makes you feel satisfied at the end of the day, knowing that you've achieved what you set out to achieve. You can sleep easy, I say. <laughs> Yeah, no, very cool, very cool. I love that. Um, second last question: What's your favorite social media platform to share your journey? Ooh, I would have to say Instagram. Uh, Instagram seems to be the most engaging and interactive. Um, so there's a yeah. strong community over there. Yeah. So, it, but I'm, I'm on the Instagram, the YouTube, and the Facebook. But Instagram has to be the uh, uh, the most fun, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Last question: As what do you wish you knew when you were 20 years old? Oh, you know what? I'm glad I, I went the direction that I did and certain mistakes that I've made, I needed to make them. Um, and so I wouldn't change anything. But if I could say to my 20 or 21 year old self, anything it would be, and this is not just to myself, this is to the audience listening as well, is that you're far more capable than you give yourself credit for. And I learned Understood. that during the process. At first, when I had fears of the wolves or the bears or the dehydration or whatever it could be on the expedition. There's a lot of fear, uh, but I believe fear comes as a package deal without train hard and do your, your studies and research in order to 
eradicate doubt and hold fear because fear is healthy. Fear is what keeps you alive. But um, so I would say that you're far more capable than you anticipate. Awesome. Thank you so much for your insights, Ash. No problem at all. Thank you for calling through.